So it occurred to me throughout my experience as an advisor that it's more than just transitioning assets. There's a breakdown in communication trust when we talk about money, and there are a lot of transition points in life that get affected. So I wanted to you know, provide a roadmap, a set of guidelines that people could follow so that they could successfully achieve what they wanted to and also, you know, maintain the family harmony and the money. So, you know, failure rate is associated with loss of money. So we want to make sure people keep their family members and their family units intact as well as their money. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and today we are going to talk about something that is a part of all of our lives. No one can hide from it. No one can hide from their experience of it. And that, my friends, is that dirty M word, money, if you believe it's a dirty word. I do not, nor does our guest think that that's a dirty word. In fact, she has delivered a beautiful book that is going to teach us all about that M word and money talk. So let me tell you about our guest today. Lori R. Sackler is a financial advisor senior vice president and family wealth director at a major financial institution where she leads a wealth management group. Her team is dedicated to helping individuals and families keep up with change, satisfying their financial security, addressing lifestyle and legacy concerns, and successfully guiding them through life's transitions. Sackler is a certified investment management analyst, a certified financial planner, and non-practicing certified public accountant. She could do a few things. <laughs> she is the author of the M word, the money talk every family needs to have about wealth and their financial future published in 2013 by McGraw Hill, super impressive. And the M word journal, how to have the money talk released in 2016. She's the creator and former host of the radio show, the M word on W O R in New York city. Welcome to the show, Lori. That is quite the impressive CV you have there. Well, thank you. And you did a great job of delivering it. I appreciate it. <laughs> And I just want to add, this is my second edition of my first book that I released in 2013, and I basically upgraded it for the shifting in generations that are taking place and in response to COVID and, and the, the need, which is greater than ever, to really have productive conversations around money. Oh, I, I agree with that. And I saw that it was the second edition when I got it in the mail. And I that was actually one of my questions is, why did you, I mean, it's a heavy lift to publish a book. And then you're like, let's go again. And so our society has changed so much. Is there anything in particular other than COVID that you saw was like a pivotal part of this update? Yes, because not only have things gotten dramatically more difficult for people, I think from a you know psychological point of view, many people are trying to figure things out professionally. We have new generations that are now millennials represent the largest segment of the working population in this country. We have Gen Zs right behind them. So there's a lot of things that have that have shifted in the last 10 years. And I there's an organization out of Boston that uses my book for continuing education credit uh, for financial advisors. And they reached out to me saying, you know, we're getting requests to have a more updated uh, version. And uh, so I thought, you know what, it's really a, a, an important time to sort of put it out there. Because, yes, it is a different time. Things have shifted a lot in the last 10 years. Yeah. 
I, I agree with that so wholeheartedly. I watched as a coach, I watched it in real time throughout the shutdown and people having stay at home orders and, you know, really coaching hundreds of women and, and men, frankly, and then watching the psychological, the safety factor coming into play, the relational dynamics coming into play, like so much change that I can only imagine that this issue in particular, especially with the economic breakdowns and lack of trust and things that we used to trust in has, has really made an impact. But before we even go to the second edition, why did you write the book to begin with? Like what spurred that? Like I'm going to get with a major publisher and put this into the world. So I was seeing uh, individuals within my circle of friends and family members. And then professionally, I was seeing people really struggling to have productive conversations and not having successful outcomes when they were even trying to attempt them. And so I started to do my research. I wanted to figure out why is this topic so hard? And part of my research was to find that there there are a lot of reasons for it, but there tends to be a 70% break, there's a failure rate in transferring assets across generations. And breakdown in communication and trust is the primary reason. So it occurred to me throughout my experience as an advisor that it's more than just transitioning assets. There's a breakdown in communication trust when we talk about money, and there are a lot of transition points in life that get affected. So I wanted to you know, provide a, a roadmap, a set of guidelines that people could follow so that they could successfully achieve what they wanted to and also you know, maintain the family harmony and the money. So you know, failure rate is associated with loss of money. So we want to make sure people keep their family members and their family units intact as well as their money. I love it. And there's a lot, um, there's a lot of money talk during times of transition, which are already stressful. Change is hard for most people. And that can look like, you know, changing jobs or going from a very secure or in theory, secure corporate job to then becoming an entrepreneur or, um, it could be a divorce or it could be a blended families. Now I'm now we're merging finances and there's two different families with two different sets of expectations that are coming together. I mean, there's so retirement, all of those things. So how how do you go about just even setting the stage to have these conversations during already stressful times? Well, yes. And you mentioned a lot of the transition points that I address in my book, but you know, I tell people having these conversations is like going for a major interview for the life-changing job of your career or, um, you know, making a presentation to your major, um, you know, client. It's a really, in order to have success with this, you have to have a thoughtful and repeatable process. And that's partly the reason I wrote the, the books and the series of books is to give people ample opportunity to to look at what the, the steps are, to think them through, and try to figure out the best approach for their families. Because each family unit is different. Members in the family are different. There's a lot of different personalities you have to address. And um, I try to help people understand it's better to do this when it's not during that stressful moment. Yeah. You know, it's better not to wait till mom gets sick or I just gave my girlfriend uh, an engagement ring. I mean, at the end of the day, I try to help people understand you want to pick non-stressful moments and you want to um, you have a better opportunity for success. You certainly don't want to do it during the Christmas holidays or Thanksgiving vacation or, you know, um, a major life event in the family. So, yeah, I think uh, 
your point is well taken. You want to uh, think it. You certainly don't want to do it during a stressful moment. And when you when you hit with the stressful moment or event or or something that's happened in the family to create a lot of stress, you're not. You know, all of the the stress of the event is going to interfere with you being able to thoughtfully consider all the consequences of the decisions and think through all the individuals who need to be engaged in these conversations to make them successful. Yeah. It's interesting. If I could just share a little anecdote. Um, when I went through my divorce, I, I wasn't anticipating it. So I didn't have any type of plan because I didn't see it coming. So I knew from previous grieving experiences that you really need a year. You need a year to like make any major change living in this new normal and going through the different seasons and understanding what does that mean for my life. So instead of building a house, and this was, you know, at the peak of the housing boom and, you know, lumber was bedazzled and everything was expensive and labor was short and everything was hard. And so I actually had a piece of property and it had a three bedroom double wide uh, manufactured home on it. And I thought, you know, I could go live in an apartment and flush that money down the toilet and then wait and pay way more money for a house that I will not see a return on for years to come. Or I can pimp my trailer and I can make that be something super livable on land that I, I already own it. I already own the land and I can sit there for a year while I figure out what is best for me next. Because I know not to make financial decisions during extremely stressful times. and. It was honestly one of the best choices I could have made for my life. It, it was crazy. People thought I'd lost my mind. I went from a house that was literally on the cover of magazines and, and newspapers to living in a double wide. Smartest, most peaceful choice of my past two years, truly. Just sharing well, that. That's a, <laughs> well, it, that's a great example. I mean, you you obviously engaged your, you know, your thinking part of your brain, the higher level of your brain. Uh, many of us will engage in the lower end of the brain and when when emotional trauma hits us. So, you know, congratulations, kudos to you. And I think when it comes to any transition in life, you want to you want to step back, you want to think it through what's going on. And when it comes to having money conversations, you want to think through you know, what are the choices? You know, what's the transition I'm dealing with? What are the issues I need to address? How do I best approach it? What are the factors that I need to think through that are interfering with me having these conversations with the people who I need to talk to about? And then you obviously need to put together some kind of a game plan to, you know, to, you know, so you have success with whatever transition that you're dealing with. Yeah. So I know that, you know, the, the book lays out a five set step process to engage in these conversations. Did you just hit on some of those or can we like slow down well, I, and like take it step by step? Yeah. So let me just, uh, let me add a little more context. Sure. So uh, first step would be identify the transition you're facing. So your example of going through a divorce is a very typical one, right? That's a huge transition. And that'll help define what are the issues? What are the topics I need to talk about and think through in order to make smart decisions, right? The second one is I call prepare the inner landscape. You know, whether you need to talk to um, an individual who you're uh, ending a relationship with, or you, you, know, you may have a family member who's dealing with um, some serious health issues, you know, whatever it is, you want to think through what are the factors that are interfering with my having those conversations about these 
um, these issues and topics. And you know, it could be um, family history. It could be trust and control issues that are in family or within these, uh, you know, with these other individuals. So you want to think through what are those factors that are preventing me from having these productive conversations and identify those that are most important to your conversation. And then the third I call prepare the outer landscape. You know, you, you brought up the topic of, of not having these conversations during stressful moments, right? So I, I say to people, you know, think, I, like, I would like you to think through the what, who, when, where, why, and how. What's the topic? Who are the people we need to talk to? When is the best time? Not during stressful moments. Where is the best location, right? A location that's supportive and nurturing and it will help with the conversations. Why is it so important for you to have these conversations? Is it because you need to talk about separation of assets or you need to talk about how to find mom a nursing home? I mean, whatever it is, there is a there's a real important transition point here and you don't want to you know, you want to be successful and keep family relationships intact as well as the family money. And then I talk about the how. How do you go about the conversation? And how do you deal with, you know, uh, with conflict that's going to arise, right? Because it will. I mean, people break down, the, you know, the conversation, they go into their inner child, right? So you want to think through all that. And of course, the fourth step is what I call ask for help. I think the most productive conversations are when you have a third party Call it a mediator. Call it somebody who's independent, who understand, who has some skills and knowledge of the situation and can keep the topic and the conversation on course and, and help get people to the ultimate successful outcome. And then the fifth step is to uh, repeat as necessary. So you're going to create a disciplined, thoughtful process. You're going to have to repeat it because it's not going to happen. Uh, you're not going to get to your end result in a single moment, you know, one hour or so. So I, I think, you know, if you're disciplined and thoughtful and you repeat a process that's workable, you you should have a higher degree of success. And when I'm talking about, you know, bringing in a third party, I think that's really a very important uh, piece to the puzzle. In fact, I see it play out in my office. You know, family members will break down. They'll be accusatory. They'll bring up all the old, old garbage. You know, if it's a sensitive topic. So having that third party who can keep people um Keep the conversations on track and have that respect and trust within the, the, the unit that you're discussing the topics with to, to have a better outcome. Mm, so good. You use the term and you, you touched on it a little bit, but can we go a little bit deeper into the preparing the inner landscape side of things? Mm. What, what does that yeah. really mean and how do we make that happen? Well, I talk about factors that are just above the surface, right? So let's think about it. What are the what are the uh, issues that are mostly associated with money? I mean, you probably know that, Amber. Let's talk about control. Who's controlling the money? You know, who's the control freak in the family, right? What are the trust issues? You know, a lot of people want to know they can trust people if they're going to start to give them some responsibility about money or they're going to start to transfer assets or they're going to start having these conversations. So those are what I call above the surface. Also could include that would be, you know, mom, mom, mom's been diagnosed with cancer, right? Maybe there's a family illness that nobody's talking about that's a problem. But then I go deeper. I mean, it could be family history. You know, everyone has, you know, particularly when you're dealing with a marriage, you're bringing two different money personalities, two different lifestyles, potentially, you know, a lot of different um, 
um, money history and different types of personalities around acquiring using and managing. So you got to compromise. You got to negotiate those differences, right? It could be gender politics, the way women and men think and act around money. There's, it's just, I give a whole host, but the important thing is for you to figure out what's keeping your family or you from having this conversation with your family members or loved ones or whoever you need to have these conversations with, because each, in each, each, scenario is very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. And just even the relational dynamics in the family. Wow. It's like just trying to be avoidant of like, I don't want to set this person off or I don't want to, you know, put more on this person than they already have on their plate. Or like, there's all of that too, that just, wow, it really, I'm I'm glad that you have a whole book full of solutions because that I I was thinking as you were talking about these things, I'm like, well, she's like 75% psychologist and probably 25% financial planner. You know, I'd probably take it up to 90% psychologist. I mean, look, whenever you're dealing with people, you have to, you know, you have to listen. You have to think through the personalities. And, you know, money is a really difficult topic to talk about. It's a taboo in many cultures and many families. It's an object of threat and control for many people. Mm. So um, why it's important to think through, you know, what are the factors that you're dealing with here? Yeah. Let's go down that what could be a rabbit trail, the difference between men and women and how we, our relationship with money. Can you explain that a little bit so we can move? So, and, and let me just say this, obviously we know the majority of our audience are, are women who are really trying to play big. And then we have really smart men who are listening in on the conversation so they can better understand. So at, with that being your audience, let's talk about it. Yeah. Now, it's funny, I did a presentation uh, for an advertising group in New York City, and uh, one of the uh, leaders in the organization came up to me afterwards, and I did the whole presentation on gender differences and how they impact money decisions and, you know, different personality outcomes. So it was interesting. He came up to me and he said, oh, my God, now I get it. I understand why my wife and I totally don't talk, you know, we don't have a common uh, perspective on money. I totally get it now. Thank you so much. So it's, so it's typically the men that are more excited about this information. So so let's talk about it. You know, these, there are specific gender differences and they're physiological, which I find interesting. They impact the way our brains function. And without going into a lot of technical information, because it's pretty, uh, it is pretty technical and physiological, but it's been supported by um, over 30 studies involving a million participants around the world, okay? so No, excuse me, dozens of studies in 30 countries with a million participants around the world. So these differences, which are brain-based, are not, um, they're not associated with any geography or language. They're universal. So what I try to tell my clients and people who I speak to is you need both brains to make good decisions, and it's not personal, the way the interaction takes place. So, so all these differences, so for, let me just give you a couple examples. Women have a slightly larger prefrontal cortex, which means we are more strategic in our thinking. We tend to think more long-term, 
men tend to think more short-term. We have a slightly larger corpus callosum, which is that middle part of the brain, which allows us to go back and forth to our left and right brain. That gives us all the benefits of walking into a room and saying, you know, notice everything. You know, my husband never notices when I get my hair cut, for God's sakes, right? (laughs) So, I mean, so we have the ability to read situations in ways that men can't, and that can create conflict. But at the end of the day, what does all this mean? We make money decisions differently, right? We have different goals and priorities and um, different risk tolerance and different ways of investing than men do. And we also have different ways of communicating. We have much stronger connections between, uh, you know, our emotion, our memory uh, sections of our brain and our, and our communication. Uh, so there, so we have the ability to talk about things that men may not. And oftentimes it's the woman that says, I need to have this conversation with you. You may have experienced that, Anna, in your life. So my sense is, you know, these are real differences and I see them all the time play out in meetings with clients. It's, yeah. it's inevitable. Yeah. Before I got married, I was insistent that we complete, um, the financial peace university together. And I'm not saying that's a better program than other programs. I'm just saying it's the one program I'd already been a graduate from that taught me that there's a nerd and there's a free spirit. And I knew who I was as a recovering teen mom. So you, you will have single mom syndrome for the rest of your life. If you've ever had to have everything on you and you are the person um, that's, that's a different mindset than somebody who maybe came from you know, a a more abundant type family and never really had to worry about things and just didn't ever. So that was a big deal for me. And then um, also much later, I wanted to hire a financial coach because I'm like, we have all this abundance. Are we maximizing? Are we being wise? Are we thinking legacy? Like, are we using all the different vehicles that we could possibly use? And why are we flying by the seat of our pants? Like, why is, why is there not a plan in place here? So like, you know, so for me, it was like, common language, communication, shared goals, where are we both driving in the same direction? Like those things were important to me. Can't attest for the other person that I'm no longer married to, but there's a difference there. And I wouldn't just say him. I would say most men. And your description of your scenario is very, very typical. Okay. And women tend to really, you know, what I find interesting is women are interested in getting advice. And having somebody who'll listen to them and they can learn from. Oftentimes, men come in and they tend to be trans- more transactional. They may necessarily, they may not want to put together a game plan as much as their spouse or their partner wants to. So we see those differences play out all the time. It's very, I hate to say it, but your, your situation is pretty typical. It's pretty typical. Of course, you, yeah. There wouldn't be these programs but, and these these resources in place if my if it wasn't typical. There wouldn't be names like you're the free spirit and you're the nerd if my situation wasn't typical. But I guess I, I share that just so that as as our listeners are ruminating over this, like there is no um there is no one who is immune to this. And so you have this book that is going to equip you to then like I wish I would have had this book before because you know, maybe I would have approached things more strategically. Well, I think uh, part of this, part of what I talk about in terms of marriage and remarriage is transparency and openness. Mm-hmm. So that should be the primary goal. Yeah. And, and that can be on a very practical level, assets and liabilities. Are we going to merge or separate assets? How are we going to pay bills? Now, that's a very basic 
uh, conversation, but then you need to go further. You know, what are your values? You know, what are you trying to accomplish? What's your family history with money? Um, you know, talk to me about the money personalities in your family. I mean, that, that's going to help you know, because when you when you enter into a marriage, you don't know what you don't know about that person, right? I mean, it takes years, I think, to really get to know somebody fully. And so it's better to put a lot of this on the table and talk about it in advance. I find that couples are, who are more open and transparent about money tend to have a higher probability of success or yeah. tend to have a better marriage. So I, I, I've seen that in, in my experience. And so I do think that money is it is the core of everything we do, right? And we all bring unique money personalities based on a lot of family history. You can actually create a money brand and show how these personalities have been passed down to the generation. Yes. A money brand. So I think those are issues that need to be, you're going to see them play out. Yeah. But if you can sort of touch think about it in advance. I think you have a better chance of of getting it right. I love that. Yeah. And even if I just think about like how entrepreneurial I am and I watched my dad be a musician and travel all around the world to get played to do, you know, to get paid to do something creative. He's a drummer. And I went to private school in Southern California. So like, to me, it's possible to make money out of just whatever I create. That's a total normal thing to me. Whereas other people look at me and they go, I can't believe you do that. I'm like, I can't believe that you are in a seat at, in a building at eight o'clock in the morning every day. Like I, that doesn't, you know, so there's, and that's a money thing. That's how we make our livelihood. Now, a lot led up to this book, Lori. I know that because you are a bombshell. You are a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business. Most times, right? We all have our days. So can you just talk about your journey in a world that's been dominated by men? What was that well, like I, for you? And the financial world still is dominated by men. Um, but it's much, much better. So I think, um, yeah, I have to say it had, it was difficult. It was difficult to enter the financial world as a woman. But I will say the most important qualities, I think, are tenacity, perseverance, um, resilience, Right. And, and I, I stayed true to my values, you know, what I wanted to accomplish in life, the person I wanted to be, the way I wanted to conduct myself, the type of business I wanted to have. And I never deviated. And some people say I'm focused. I'm totally. Well, I think it takes focus. Yes. A lot of focus to build a business and to particularly be, you know, to have some success in the financial world as a woman. Yeah. I think it's not an easy road for women, particularly because of their history with money, and that's a whole other topic. But, but I do think that uh, it's a, it's a being in the financial services industry is a wonderful place for women. I totally think that we have the ability to listen, communicate in ways that are not always easily accessible to men. We have the ability to look at things in a big way on a long term time horizon and multiply address a number of topics that the client wants to address. And so I think we're ideally suited for this profession. So if there's any of your individual um, listeners out there who are interested in this career path, I highly recommend you take, take a shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I've done a lot of coaching in the industry and speaking in the industry and it is a very compelling, there's a very compelling argument that this, the natural tendencies of the feminine energy is so good for, for um, having these more difficult conversations, these more soulful conversations, it's money, but it's not, it's emotion. And so, you know, I, I've had a, a client before who said, you know, I have to go up against this, you know, big 
male personality and he just buys everybody a steak dinner at a fancy restaurant and then says, give me your money and I'm going to manage it. And then like, he completely forgets about his customers and that's not my approach. And I don't even feel comfortable doing that. And I was like, well, then that's not your brand. That's not who, that's not how you do it. That's you're not going to differentiate yourself by copying what he's doing. Like also that's so 1984. So like, let's come to today's world and do it your way. So, um, I think that's great advice. Yeah. You know, I think in any career path, you want to have a vision and you need to have a game plan and you need to have a business plan and you need to work your plan and, um, you know, plan to work hard. So, plan yeah. to work hard. How did you differentiate yourself? Because you weren't just differentiating yourself as a female financial professional is versus all the other females versus everyone in your you know, your umbrella company, and then you have your own, you know, group that you have, like, when did you get comfortable saying, this is my lane? These are the type of people that I serve. And this is what makes me unique. You should come work with me and not anybody else. Yeah, that's, you know, it's called your value proposition and what differentiates you. You know, I, um, I come from an interesting background. I was a CPA, I was in banking, I was even in marketing when I got out of business school. So I've done a lot of different things. So I think we all bring all of our experiences, our education, and we frame it and we develop it in a way that's unique to us. And I think that's what I have done. And I think my message around the M word, which I've been working on for over a decade now, was a kind of a missing link out there at the time. I mean, it's getting a lot more attention now. But I think that has made me somewhat of a differentiator in my industry. And so it was, uh, I think, you know, what I'd urge your listeners to do is think about how you can differentiate yourself. You know, is there an idea? Is there something missing in your profession or in your job or in your workplace that you can, a link that you can connect or a hole that you can fill or something that you can add value to that will make you uh, differentiated in, in, in whatever path you take? Yeah, I love that. And that's something that I encourage um, bombshells to do. It's actually a whole chapter in the bombshell businesswoman following your breadcrumbs. And and that's what I heard you say is like, it's not so much about some tagline or some, you know, whiz bang, you know, flashy jazz hands and fireworky kind of thing that I'm working on over here to differentiate myself. It's here's my history. And here's all of my experience. And when you put all that in a blender, it's naturally unique. Like nobody else can repeat my story and leveraging that. I mean, Lori said it right here, folks. <laughs> Obviously a very smart woman confirming that that the thing that's special about you is the life you've already lived. That's how you can position yourself uniquely. And, and the life that you want to live, you know, yes. looking ahead, you know, carving that path out. So. Um, it's worked out for me, but it's not an easy road. So, uh, and it takes a lot of time, but I love what you're doing. So I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to be a part of it. And again, just, this is a book worth picking up, um, before we go into where to find you and where to find the book and all of that kind of stuff. I I do want to ask you my final parting question that I ask every magical guest that we get to enjoy on this show. What parting piece of advice? It doesn't even have to be about money or your story. Just as a fellow bombshell, what parting piece of advice would you give an aspiring or someone who considers themselves a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business? 
Well, that's a great question. So um, thinking about that, you know, I think we're all, as working women, we're all pushing ahead, right? We're externally directed. We're trying to uh, make a difference in whatever we're doing, you know, create a life for ourselves, a successful personal business life. And what I have discovered is you need to take time to reflect. You need to take time to think internally about who you are and own your power. You know, finding your power is within. It's Mm. not going to be generated. So my my advice would be, it's a crazy world. We're all so busy and we're so socially uh, connected in so many different ways. But take time to, you know, to sit back, reflect, you know, journal Mm. about who you are you've done this far. And oftentimes that will help you figure out what your next step's going to be. And I hear from a lot of the executives we work with, they don't have time to reflect. And uh, I think it's really important that we take that we find the time. So yeah, that's my parting mm-hmm. wisdom. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing wisdom. And and I wasn't planning on to have a follow-up question, but I'm in, I'm intrigued with what kind of work do you do with executives? What does that look like in your, in your practice? In my practice, well, so I lead a team of, of uh, there are a total of eight of us, and I'm we have four partners, we have four staff people, but I'm founder and the leader of the group. And it's, it's a great joy for me because I think the other part of the equation is finding the right people to work with, the right chemistry and complementary skill sets. And so our day is very varied. You know, we deal with uh, senior corporate executives and entrepreneurs, and um, we work a lot with women. So my day is is varied and it's fun, but it's taken a lot of time to develop the knowledge that you can actually deliver. So, you know, my other parting advice was get good at what you do. Really take time to figure your skill set out and what you want to do and get really, really good at it. I remember in 08, uh, in 2007 and 8, in 2009, we had the real estate uh, downturn. Warren Buffett on CNBC and I still remember that interview and he was asked what are you telling your investors to do at this moment because the world was crazy and he said get really good at what you do invest in yourself Mm -hmm. and I thought wow that was just great advice and I took it so you know um, I think it's important to do that so uh, and then my in my practice we have different people who've done just that and so it's really fun to hear and combine all those skill sets and deliver. Awesome. I love that. I don't think in the history of the show, I've ever asked a follow-up question like that to the parting piece of advice. So that just shows how much wisdom is just emanating off of you. Uh, well, no, let's okay. talk about where to find the book. So you can go to the mword.com and learn more right. about it. There's a second edition and the first edition there and testimonials and all that good jazz. And you can also find it on Amazon. So Really, truly, if if you're breathing, you need this book. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't hard sell anybody. I just, from coaching hundreds of people over the years and also my own personal experiences, this is one thing that if you get this part right, a lot of life becomes easier. So um, I'm a huge advocate Thank for Lori's work. Yeah. Um, anywhere else we can find you, LinkedIn, anywhere else? You can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. And if you Google me, um, you can find me, you know, um, at my office in my work environment. So feel free to reach out and if you have any questions, I'm happy to entertain them. And I, and I really enjoyed this Amber. It's been a, it's been a great exchange. So thank you. Me as well. I, I was, I knew I was looking forward to this and you exceeded expectations. So I appreciate oh, it. <laughs> 
Well, Bombshell, you know what we do at this stage. We think about who needs to listen to this episode. And you can go to amberhurdle.com forward slash podcasts with an S at the end and look for Lori's episode. All the show notes will be in there, including the different ways that you can purchase the book or find Lori online. Um, And then it's also a great opportunity to just click that URL, copy, paste it into an email or a text message and say, hey, I was listening to this. I know you're going through a transition or you're thinking about going through a transition or give it to a young person in your life. This is a gift to any young person who can get their money mindset and their ability to talk about money and their attitude about money firm while they're young. So they don't have to learn all the hard lessons that we learned and we don't have to go through all the pain like we've had to go through. So send this, this episode specifically connect with Lori and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.